Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. Well, it sure seems like self-isolation is safer this week than whatever's going on out there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know what I'm saying. Do I know what I'm saying? Ladies and gentlemen, this may seem to be a um, a time, as a lot of people are saying, on the, on the media that survive, uh, uncharted waters. But it's I'm hearing a familiar refrain right about now by people who uh, refrained from commenting earlier. The refrain goes something like this. No one could have imagined this would happen. It, it, uh, it's worth remembering the first time that phrase came into widespread public usage in uh, modern memory was right after 9-11. Condi Rice said it. Dick. <laughs> Dick Cheney said it. No one could have imagined this would happen. This was after it became public knowledge that uh, the president's daily brief in August of uh, 2001 said Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda poised to attack in America. But no one could have imagined that, even though it, it, it was said. Um, the Army Corps of Engineers said no one could have imagined all this falling all this infrastructure failing in the flood in New Orleans of 2005, even though people inside the Army Corps of Engineers and out had predicted the failure of several of the uh, pieces of infrastructure involved and had been ignored for their imagining. And now, this week, the reputation polishers are at work Trying to, trying to say, well, I, I, no, I shouldn't have resigned before. No one could have imagined this. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, just a few days before this past Wednesday. Uh, do you know what? That, who said January, January 6th? And then, let me tell you something. One time in our history, the inauguration was put off 90 days. Do you know when? Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, that January 6th, that's not the end all, you know, but I guarantee something's going to happen that day. I guarantee something's going to happen that day. But who could have imagined something was going to happen that day? The um, former chief of staff of (laughs) President uh, Trump, Mick Mulvaney, was all over the Sunday morning Yak shows this weekend to say because he is he had um, he had um, kind of cut cut ties with uh, his former employer uh, to explain why this this week was different. He had written a an op ed six weeks ago saying that if he was defeated, President Trump. Uh, Trump would 
concede gracefully. Because he couldn't have imagined that Trump would repeat exactly what happened in 2016. In case you've forgotten, before the election of 2016, President Trump, uh, Donald Trump, was saying the election was rigged already before he won. And after he won, he complained it was rigged because he'd really won the popular vote, too. So who could have imagined that he would behave that same way when he lost? Not Mick Mulvaney. He was saying, no, I'll, nobody could have imagined this. Certainly I couldn't. This, wasn't, this isn't the President Trump I knew. It, um, it seems that there's a gaping hole Oh, of course, the the uh, Washington, D.C. police or the Secret Service or the National Guard in Washington or the Capitol Police, they couldn't have imagined this or they would have prepared for it. As I was saying, it seems as if there's a gaping hole in our government somewhere for a new position. I know it seems like there are already too many, but a secretary of imagination, you know, just some unemployed novelist seems like is what we need at this point. I know what I can't imagine right now is President Trump actually saying goodbye. Hello, welcome to the show.
from New Orleans, Louisiana, where it's it's so cold this week. All all this past week, it's 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 Boston on the Bayou. From uh, the self-same New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now we start off. Well, we're ten minutes into the show, but we start off this part of it with the apologies of the week because the week. We're so sorry. Not just that, though. There's a lot of others. A Dallas company issued an apology after its redesigned classic of the game Mahjong was criticized for appropriating Chinese culture. The Mahjong line features a variety of sets of the tile-based game, which originated in China. Some of the tiles feature images like palm trees or bags of flour. Mmm, flower. Users on social media criticized the creators of the game for cultural appropriation, noticing how sets of tiles remove traditional Chinese numbers and symbols. The company making the game, the Dallas Company, was founded by three white women. In a statement posted to Instagram, the company said its intent in creating the redesigned versions was to, quote, inspire and engage with a new generation of American Mahjong players. It's imperative our followers know we never set out to ignore or represent, misrepresent the origins of this game and know there are more conversations to be had and steps to take as we learn and grow. We are always open to constructive criticism and are continuing to conduct conversations with those who can provide further insight into the game's traditions and roots in both Chinese and American cultures. Unquote. The About Us page has since been updated with the company's apology. The game is believed to date back centuries in China, but didn't find popularity in the U.S. until the start of the 20th century, according to the National Mahjong League, which is not participating in the World Series. An Inverness, Illinois man is among 13 people charged in federal court in the District of Columbia following the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Bradley Ruxdales faces three federal charges stemming from the incident, including violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. He was one of the people arrested by police. He was a CEO, CEO of Schaumburg, Illinois-based tech company Cogentia. A spokesperson for Cogentia said Ruxdales was terminated Friday, effective immediately. Joel Schlitz, senior, senior vice president and chief operating officer of Cogentia, has been named acting CEO. I guess he got kicked out of the brewery. The decision was made because Ruxdale's actions were inconsistent with the core values of Cogentia. On Thursday night, Ruxdale's apologized and issued the following statement. In a moment of extremely poor judgment following the rally in Washington, I followed hundreds of others through an open set of doors to the Capitol building to see what was taking place inside. Sounds innocent, doesn't it? I was arrested for the first time in my life and charged with unlawful entry. My decision to enter the Capitol was wrong, and I'm deeply regretful to have done so without qualification as a peaceful and law-abiding citizen. I condemn the violence and destruction that took place. I offer my sincere apologies to the men and women of law enforcement for my indiscretion, and I deeply regret that my actions have brought embarrassment to my family, colleagues, friends, and fellow countrymen. Doesn't mention Cogentia. It was the single worst personal decision of my life. I have no excuse for my actions, and I wish that I could take them back. Wow, what a game show that would be. Welcome to Take Him Back. Dateline Chicago, a freshman Republican congressman from downstate Illinois, apologized Friday for knowingly quoting Adolf Hitler 
During that rally at the Capitol, Representative Mary Miller, she was among the Republicans who tried to challenge Electoral College certification, issued the apology in the face of calls for her to resign. Oh, well, I'd rather apologize than resign if it's all the same with you. I sincerely apologize for any harm my words caused and regret using it reference to one of the most evil dictators in history to illustrate the dangers that outside influences can have on our youth. This dark history should never be repeated, the newly sworn-in congresswoman said in a statement. While discussing the need for a party to appeal to young people, she said, Hitler was right on one thing. He said, well, whoever has the youth has the future. That uh, rally she addressed with that comment was a day before what we'll call Mike Lindell Day. In her apology, Miller said, Some are trying to intentionally twist my words to mean something antithetical to my beliefs. I'm passionately pro-Israel and will always be a strong supporter and ally of the Jewish community. I've been in discussion with Jewish leaders across the country and I'm grateful to them for their kindness and forthrightness. Which is another word for lack of kindness, I guess. Dayla, New York, a woman who wrongly accused a black teenager of stealing her phone and tackled him while being filmed at a New York City hotel, apologized, but defended her actions in a television interview conducted before she was arrested in California. I consider myself to be super sweet, Mia Ponsetto said. She's 22. And she said it in a CBS This Morning interview that aired Friday and uh, kind of trended all over the thing that Donald Trump isn't on anymore. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I don't feel that is who, is I, uh, who, I, who I am as a person, as a mannequin, is what you like. I don't feel like this one mistake does define me, she said, but I do sincerely from the bottom of my heart apologize that if I made the son feel as if I assaulted him or if I hurt his feelings or the father's feelings, was the end of the sentence. She tackled him. It's on videotape. The son is the uh, son of a jazz trumpeter, jazz trumpeter, jazz instrumentalist who uh, taped the whole thing. She was jailed in Ventura County, California. Spokesperson for the sheriff's office said it wasn't immediately clear what charges she faced. As a person, you see. Dateline Daytona Beach, Florida, Florida. Volusia County officials said the vaccine rollout in Daytona Beach that led seniors to wait in their cars overnight in the cold was a mistake. Quote, everybody in the county saw what happened. It's not acceptable, said the county chair. We won't allow it to happen again. Patricia Boswell, who heads the Volusia County Office of Florida Department of Health, apologized for the way the vaccine was administered the first two days of this week. She said, in hindsight, she would not have had people waiting in their cars during the chilly weather. I would have done it differently, she said. I do apologize to anyone who's been impacted in a negative way, like freezing their ass off. Couldn't have imagined that that would happen again. We need, uh, we need more imagination education in the schools, I think, in addition to the previous recommendation. But wait, there's more. The Indiana football coaches, that's a, a group of the coaches, so they capitalize Indiana football coaches, apologized for a message that appeared on its Twitter page late Wednesday afternoon following the, the thing in Washington. 
The tweet, which was deleted a few minutes later, read, quote, There is no proof who is behind this. Can't assume it is Trump supporters, given the history of extreme leftist and Marxist groups. Unquote. The tweet, as I say, was deleted after a few minutes, or the lead was detweeted, and the FCA, IFCA issued this apology. Our executive director, Coach Bob Gaddis, and assistant executive director, Coach Jason Simmons, are aware of what was posted on our account. We're investigating the post and who may have conducted the post, the act. The post is not something our association supports or condones. We apologize, exclamation point. The uh, aforementioned Bob Gaddis, recently retired after a long career, said the IFC is still investigating what happened. He said he and the um, assistant executive director both have iPhones, along with other executive board members with access to the account, but the message was posted from an Android phone. Dum, dum, dum. Lacombe, Alberta, Canada's mayor says he exercised a lapse in good judgment. No, not in going to Washington, in going on a safari trip to Namibia. This is part of a wave of ex- ex- uh, apologies and explanations that is passed over Canada, Canada this week. People violating the stay-home order to go away. Grant Creasy says in a statement provided to a news organization, his trip was originally planned for last spring before he postponed due to the epidemic. He then decided to go in early fall when COVID numbers were relatively low. At no time have I violated any provincial, national, or international travel restrictions, rules, or regulations. With the benefit of hindsight, I understand and can empathize with the concerns of those who feel it was unwise or who could have posed a risk to the health of myself or those around me, unquote. He, went, he did go to Namibia in November and quarantined after returning home in December. He didn't deceive, attempt to deceive anyone about his trip and shared photos on social media while he was away. It was a wildlife park, a safari and tour. It wasn't essential. I apologize for this lapse in good judgment. It wasn't a good decision. It's good, he says, it's fair to expect more from your leaders. However, I'm no le- No, he didn't say that. Dayline Fresno, California. KMJ radio talk show host Ray Appleton said Thursday on air that certain news editors should be hanged. This is, you know, people in Washington were saying that uh, Vice President Mike Pence should be hanged because he didn't uh, go along with (laughs) President Trump in 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 the electoral college count. Appleton admitted himself to having said that that certain news editors should be hanged, in a recent Facebook post in which he, no, he admitted that in a recent Facebook post in which he apologized to those of you who were upset by that. Fresno B. editor Joseph Chieda said he found out about what Appleton said from their editorial page editor who was listening to the show. Chieda said he wanted to get a recording of exactly what was said on air, but the station wouldn't release it. KMJ, come on. After everything that happened yesterday, words matter, Kieda said. I read Ray's apology. Obviously, he says it was tongue-in-cheek and something that wasn't serious on his part, but I do think the rhetoric matters. Murder of the Media was written, of course, a door in the uh, Capitol. Appleton says, let me make this perfectly clear. If you were of the persuasion that I meant that, well, please relax and understand it is not my intent, my wish, or any reality that I live in. So I apologize profoundly to those of you who are upset by that. 
I made the statement that because of this in- inconsistent way of reporting, certain news editors should be hanged. Maybe. Get it? He didn't say get it. But he did say the rest of it. Another Canadian travel apology. Victoria, British Columbia, City Councilor Charmark Dubo is apologizing to residents for traveling outside of Canada during the holidays amid the pandemic. In a statement on social media, Dubo said he adhered to local public health guidelines while away and took the test, the PCR test, multiple times. All the results negative. I followed the federal and provincial guidelines, he wrote. I have food arrangements and a workstation where I'll be serving my constituents virtually. As I say, politicians at all levels have been under intense scrutiny in Canada over the past week for traveling abroad after telling their constituents to save, stay home. DuBose said he'd been saving for the trip for years, and it would be his first time back to Somalia since he fled the country as a child in 1992. I know now I should not have gone, he says. I understand there's no good excuse. It is with humility and gratitude that I serve people in Victoria. I acknowledge that I showed, say it with me now, ladies and gentlemen, poor judgment by not leading by example in this case. Billionaire investor Nelson Peltz this week apologized for backing <laughs> President Trump's failed re-election efforts. He told CNBC he believes, believes the Capitol Hill riot has tarnished Trump's legacy. I think it is Trump's legacy. Isn't it? That's what I thought. I'll be right with you, ladies and gentlemen. I have to uh, pretend to answer the phone here. I don't at all. What happened yesterday is a disgrace. As an American, I'm embarrassed. The CEO of Tryon Partners said on CNBC, I didn't vote for Trump in 16. I voted for him this past election. Today, I'm sorry I did that. He's a prominent activist investor. He donated to Trump's campaign in 2016. Though he didn't vote for him that year. He held a big money fundraiser for the president early last year. He said his support for Trump was rooted in the president's economic policies. Tax cut, tax cut. He said what he considers the positive aspects of Trump's agenda, tax cut, have been undermined not only by Wednesday's violent insurrection, but by Trump's entire efforts to discredit Joe Biden's electoral victory. Tax cut. Dateline Boise, Ohio. Boise. Amid the chaos that... Ensued in Washington, many photos and videos emerged of rioters entering the Capitol, storming into both chambers of Congress. For some in Idaho, they saw a familiar face climbing down from the Senate chamber gallery onto the Senate floor. A 34-year-old man named Josiah Colt. He resides in Treasure Valley, Idaho. Phone numbers listed for him for comment on the story went unanswered, says the Idaho statesman. Attempts to reach him through social media and email were also unsuccessful. In a video posted to Facebook, Colt erroneously claims he was the first rioter to sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair, calling her treasonous and a traitor. Just in case, he was actually in the Senate chamber. was photographed in the seat reserved for the vice president. I just got on the Capitol building, he says in the video. I hopped down into the chamber. Later, he posted a video on Facebook saying he didn't know what to do now that the photo of him had been widely circulated. 
I'm in downtown D.C. I'm all over the news now, but like I'm just like every single one of these people that was marching. A peaceful protest. We're here to represent America. We're tired of being lied to. We're tired of people stealing from us, stealing our freedom, stealing our liberties. I didn't hurt anybody in there. Like, yeah, I did sit in Nancy Pelosi's seat. She shouldn't be there, unquote. Then he issued a statement to a local TV station. He apologized for this ac- his actions and called the Senate chamber, quote, sacred ground. Unquote. I sincerely apologize to the American people, Colt said in the statement. I recognize my actions that have brought shame upon myself, my family, my friends, and my beautiful country. In the moment, I thought I was doing the right thing. I realize now that my actions were inappropriate, and I beg for forgiveness from I- America and my home state of Idaho. Mr. Colt, beg harder. The Keller, Texas Police Department plans to host two town hall events to gather resident input after the controversy erupted following the improper arrest and pepper spraying of Marco Puente last August. As your chief of police, I'm sincerely sorry that this occurred on my watch, said the Keller chief of police, Brad Fortune, during a city council meeting. Both he and Mayor Armin Mizani apologized during the city council meeting. Fortune promised to review policies and procedures. Not just the policies. The procedures, too. When a UPS driver walked onto the front porch of a Milwaukee home last month, the man eyed the package's recipient name, Hugo Aviles. Moments later, without ringing the doorbell or knocking, he began writing a failed attempt notice and explained why Aviles, a Latino police officer, would not get his package. Now, you don't get effing nothing because you're a stupid M who can't read and write and speak the effing English language, the man said in a December 17th recording of the incident, which was captured by Avila's ring camera and posted to social media. UPS announced that the driver, whom the company did not name, has been fired. Matthew O'Connor, the UPS spokesperson, told the Washington Post the company reached out to the family and apologized as soon as it learned about the incident. The head of the University of British Columbia's School of Population and Public Health, here's the final Canadian apology of the week, he's apologizing after traveling vacation over the holiday. I guess you really do have to get out of Canada. I guess that's the deal. Holiday time, you have to get out of friggin' Canada. Global News confirmed that Dr. Peter Berman flew to Hawaii over the holidays amid COVID restrictions and public health advice not to travel internationally. Quote, I recognize now that I should not have traveled and that many of you have made sacrifices over these past several weeks that I too should have made. I truly regret this decision. I reaffirm reaffirm my support for public health authorities and I'm complying with all requirements for pandemic control until... I have to get out of Canada again, because, burr. The um, football coach, Nick Saban's daughter, Kristen Saban Cetus, sent a tweet Tuesday of this week accusing Ohio State of faking a COVID-19 outbreak. The accusation came after ESPN reported there had been discussions about delaying the game because of COVID-19 issues at Ohio State, although the game is still scheduled to be played tomorrow. Cetus' belief was that Ohio State faked the test so that a player on that team could have longer time to heal from an injury. 
She deleted that tweet and her entire Twitter account. Twitter account. So she silenced herself. See? See, Don, you can do that. After receiving backlash for the allegation before she deleted her account, she issued an apology for the accusation, which she called uncalled for and hurtful. I made a huge mistake uh, in a moment of frustration. I let my anger get the best of me. It was, well, she doesn't say it, but I conclude from that that she was a victim of poor judgment. Terry Nunn of the band Berlin issued an apology on Monday after she received backlash for performing at the New Year's Eve party at Mar-a-Lago, along with Vanilla Ice. In a uh, statement shared to Facebook, the singer explained she was unaware of the lack of COVID-19 protocols at the event and that she did not perform in support of the Republican Party. Quote, I am truly sorry I performed at Mar-a-Lago and would not have done so if I'd known what I learned while I was there. My goal in performing was not to support a political party. I see now that that's not the way it appeared, and I am apologetic for that as well. Oh, by the way, also appearing at that event, the touring edition of the Beach Boys. She said the contract stated it was a small COVID-safe event for the members of Mar-a-Lago. Unfortunately, it was not COVID-safe anywhere in Florida. I had no idea masks and social distancing were not required. I was shocked by Florida and Mar-a-Lago's lack of regard for the pandemic. If I'd known, I would never have gone. Once I fulfilled my contractual obligation, I left the event as quickly as I could. It is a mistake that I regret. A pro-Trump rioter who scaled a wall inside the Senate chamber. We talked about him already. He appeared in another story. He's all over the news. And University College London has expressed, quote, deep regret, unquote, for its role in the propagation of eugenics. It also made a promise to improve conditions for disabled staff and students and pledged to give greater prominence to teaching the malign legacy of the discredited movement. Eugenics is the advocacy of selective breeding in the population, often to further racist or discriminatory aims. The apology is UCL's latest effort to address its links to early eugenicists such as Francis Galton, who funded a professorship in eugenics at the university. UCL acknowledges with deep regret that it played a fundamental role in the development, propagation, and legitimization of eugenics, the university said, as part of its apology. Yeah, kind of a bunch all over the place. A banner week for the Apologies of the Week. Copyright feature of this broadcast. I've talked to your mother and I've talked to your dad. They say they've tried, but it's all in vain. I've begged and I've pleaded, I've even got mad. Now we must face it, you give me a pain. How can I miss you when you won't go away? Keep telling you day after day But you won't listen, you always stay and stay How can I miss you and you won't go away? Your never-ending presence really cramps my style I dream that it won't always be the same At first I was attracted But after a while, have you ever heard of a hard to get gain? 
From New Orleans, this is the show. Well, we kind of know what happened this week in terms of um, the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, it, it, the week started kind of like a week ago today with the publication by the Washington Post of that phone call the president made to the Secretary of State of Georgia. Hour-long phone call bunch of lawyers on the phone as well, on both sides. That always helps. Uh, that phone call in which the president wheedled, I think would be the appropriate verb, the Secretary of State of Georgia, Mr. Raffensperger, and a, a Republican to boot, a Republican traitor, as he's now seen by Trump fans, along with Mike Pence and Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is being fingered by the Trump fans now. Yeah, I'll, I'll reword that at a later time. Um, anyway, that was the that was sort of the start. That gave you a sense of that. That got the ball rolling. Let's put it that way, and uh, led up to the rally. And we should not forget. I don't have time, and I I really don't have the inclination to play for you the remarks at that pre-riot rally, not just by the president, but by his son, who seems to have developed his microphone technique by watching his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who thinks that a microphone is a thing you yell through, and the remarks of Rudy Giuliani, who is now rumored to be heading the defense team if the president is, in fact, impeached. Hey, he's done so much good so far. Why, well, you know, don't don't fix it if it ain't broke, and don't break it if it ain't fixed. Um, he said the words, "We need a trial by combat." Did Rudy Giuliani? Anyway, um, the reports 
in all the Washington media or the Washington reports from all the media are saying that the president's inner circle is closing fast as some people resign. Uh, a lot of staff members are reported to just be avoiding contact with the president lest, you know, they get some of his cooties on them. Uh, there are reports that employees or members of the staff, if not the cabinet, are being advised by lawyers that they could have, quote, exposure, unquote, if they uh, deal with the president at this point in time. He had been uh, warned by his own lawyer, Pat Cipollone, that he faced exposure, he, Trump, uh, which is supposedly why he issued that videotaped uh, hostage video on Thursday, saying, oh, he, uh, he will cooperate with the transfer of power. So it seems as if um, the the, um, the president is at least in a, in a uh, he he may still have his fans, but he seems to be running out of friends. Hi, is Phil the hour blanket man thank you for calling phil this is don how can i help you today don president don won't you please leave your name and number phil phil i've called you before i know this isn't a damn recording (laughs) okay don how are you well how the freaking phoenix do you think i am well you acknowledged you're not going to be you know who acknowledged that Hmm. the stupid age who wrote that script and shoved it in front of my face is who once i am out of here they are out of here faster than anybody has ever been out of here that's how i am well sir look it has been my privilege to be your official our blanket man i mean not official but next thing to it and you've accomplished some great things not just for the our blanket family but for all betting startups so phil phil i can say this you've been a true friend so many people I thought were loyal MAGA people have turned out to have knees of clay. It's hard to believe. I mean, like impossible. So you know better than anyone how many photo ops I've done with you. And I appreciated it, and I was so very grateful. And uh, I passed that uh, message to you through Hope and uh, Kellyanne. And, uh... Next time, tell it to a guy. It means more. Mm. And it's more likely to get through. So, look, I guess the blanket business is doing pretty good. So many people staying home because of the stupid COVID. And uh, thanks to you, sir, and I'm telling you directly now, one of those photos we did together has been hanging ever since out in my brining shed. Well, that's great. And a little miniaturized replica of it goes out with every hour blanket we ship. So, so Phil, are you telling me... You're exploiting my name and likeness. I think it was Hope that gave me permission. I don't care if Hope gave you lip service. You have no right in the entire universe or any universe yet to be discovered. My lawyer, Michael Cohen, before he turned out to be a terrible snake, he taught me that. You have no right to do that, Phil, or whatever you call yourself. (laughs) Well, sir, I still call myself the Our Blanket Man. You know, you have MAGA. I I have 75 million fans, Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have 7,500. I sell that many MAGA hats every hour. Incredible, right? Well. So look, I'm willing to ignore the ridiculous exploitation of my name and likeness. If you could uh, 
come come to a little event we're having at the White House next week. It's called the Denauguration, and it's on the 20th in the late morning. Mm-hmm. It's not a lunch per se, so because some deep stater at OMB is cutting back the food budget, but just some hardcore supporters, and we're, I can't say rallying, because now that's a dirty word, <laughs> like protest or trespass. But- Mr. President, I would love to come, uh, but this is inventory time, and if I don't keep eyes on that uh, progress, the... Uh- the hour blankets have a nasty habit of just strolling right out of the warehouse. So. Phil, your friggin' blankets can go screw themselves and save the receipts. <laughs> We're talking about saving the country, this country. Mm-hmm. We won't get another chance. Well, there is another election in a few years, sir, and I hear tell that you Phil, might... you believe the Democrats will allow another election? They don't need one. They rigged the only one that counts. Mine. <laughs> Wake up, Phil. If we don't stop this, nobody's going to be buying your stupid blankets because they won't even have any sheets. Think about it, Phil. A country without sheets. Whoever thought that was possible? Sir, you've been in business. Uh, You know about inventory time. Uh, I would love more than anything on God's green earth to be at the lunch, even without food. Uh, But the premium bedroom accessories are not going to count themselves. So... um Sir? I'm just remembering the great idea you had. Take the Liberty Bell away from Pittsburgh, put it in Trump Tower. I should have gone along with it. My lawyers wouldn't let me. It's all right, Phil. I wish I could say I'm surprised. I mean, if freaking Lindsey Graham, who I put up with this candy cane corn pone act for four years on the golf course, if he's going to go lily livid on me... And what, can, what am I supposed to expect from a glorified smarter peddler like you? What I can do for you, sir, is uh, take those little photos of us together out of uh, any future packages of our blanket, just as a gesture of uh, kind of continued goodwill. Yeah, that's wonderful. Can you do me one more solid, Phil? Can you stuff all your cocked-up blankets up there where the sun doesn't shine? Way ahead of you, sir. They're all in the warehouse. Now, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole III. All right, let's get to it. Dick Pound, longest-serving member of the IOC is uncertain whether the games in Tokyo will go ahead. That comes after organizers say they will be ready to host the games, despite Tokyo declaring a state of emergency over COVID-19. Pound said, quote, I can't be certain because the ongoing elephant in the room would be the surges in the virus, unquote. Elephants in the Olympics! The rescheduled games are set to take place July and August. Pound said the competitors should be high up the priority list when it comes to getting vaccinated also suggesting the organizers make it a condition for them to declare they've received the jab before entering Japan on pain of lying. The IOC earlier stated athletes would not be obligated to do so. Athletes are important role models, and by taking the vaccine, they can send a powerful message, said the IOC. Japanese Prime Minister 
Suga said there's a sense of crisis as he announced emergency COVID plans. Organizers said this declaration offers an opportunity for Tokyo 2020 to plan for a safe and secure games this summer. Costs of the games have increased by nearly $3 billion because of measures needed to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Majority of Japanese general public oppose holding the games this year, according to the broadcaster NHK. It would be a tight vaccination schedule. Japan uh, says uh, Moderna vaccine is unlikely to win approval until May. That would be tight. Japan has a requirement for local clinical trials before approval of a vaccine. The founder of the charity Sporting Minds says the uncertainty over Tokyo 2020 has resulted in an increase in mental health concerns among elite athletes. We saw quite a big spike in March and April when the first lockdown was in full force. We've seen another spike in the past month, Callum Lee says. For Olympic athletes, their opportunity comes around once every four years. They could be at the peak of their careers, and a lot of them will know that this is their only chance or their last chance. You know some who will be able to cope with it okay and others who are extremely worried and will start to think that this is the opportunity they have built towards their whole life, and it is slowly starting to slip away. The IOC is trying to get athletes the the coronavirus jab in the second or third wave ahead of the line. And Japan is halting a public display of the Olympic and Paralympic torches as a result of the surge. The Tokyo Metropolitan Government said the exhibitions of the torches would be called off. They do not involve the Olympic flame. The postponements would continue through at least the end of the month case you wanted to see the torches. That means other planned displays of the tortures. torches are also likely to be postponed. There was talk of canceling the torch relay, but that was short-lived with sponsors Toyota and Coca-Cola heavily involved in the torch relay promotion. It's got to be a movement. And we all need one. Every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart, smart world. WhatsApp users must agree to share their personal information, including phone numbers, with Facebook. If they want to continue using WhatsApp starting next month, according to new terms and conditions, they apply. As part of the Facebook companies, WhatsApp receives information from and shares information with the other Facebook companies, says its updated privacy policy. We may use the information we receive from them, and they may use the information we share with them to help operate, provide, improve, Spot, no, not. Understand, customize, support, and market our services and their offerings 
including the Facebook company products, unquote. So WhatsApp users must allow their data to be shared with Facebook and its other subsidiaries as and when needed by the tech giant. Presumably this is to serve personalized advertising. That's the observation of the tech journal, The Register. If you're a user today, you have two choices, accept the new policies or stop using the app. Use something else like Signal. When WhatsApp was acquired by Facebook seven years ago, it promised that its instant messaging app would not collect names, addresses, Internet searches, or location data. Then-CEO John Coombe wrote in a blog post, quote, Above all else, I want to make sure you understand how deeply I value the principle of private communication. For me, this is very personal. One of my strongest memories from uh, growing up in Ukraine is when my mother was talking on the phone, quote, This is not a phone conversation. I'll tell you in person, unquote. The fact that we couldn't speak freely without fear is part why I moved to the U.S. when I was a teenager. Two years later, WhatsApp decided it would share its users' information with Facebook only if they consented. That ability to opt out will no longer be an option. Oh, Pukum, the founder, left the company three years ago. Moved back to Ukraine? No, he didn't. Come on now. Don't go there. I mean Ukraine. I mean there. Shoddy software cost the United States an estimated 2.08 trillion dollars last year. This is according to the Consortium for Information and Software Quality. That's the CSI CISQ to you and me. To you. That's down slightly from a revised 2018 total of 2.1 trillion. In its 2020 report, the cost of poor software quality in the US the Massachusetts-based Standards Group, co-founded by the nonprofit Object Management Group and Carnegie Mellon University Software Engineering Institute, identifies three major causes of these losses. Unsuccessful information technology initiatives and software projects, estimated to cost $260 billion. Poor quality in legacy systems, you know, the ones you, you bought three years ago. That said, they've eaten up $520 billion, and operational software failures, bugs, bugs, took a toll of $1.56 trillion last year. The losses due to operational failure in the U.S. alone are staggering, says the executive director of CISQ. It takes just one major outage of, or security breach to eliminate the value gained by speed to market. Disciplined software engineering matters when the potential losses are at this scale. Unquote. Consequences of poor quality software are uh, evident in various examples in the report, like uh, two serious software bugs that prevented Boeing's Starliner from docking with the International Space Station two years ago, putting the spacecraft at risk. Boeing took a $410 million charge off of that. Why is there so many problems with uh, Information Technology Report argues there's an IT talent shortage. Claim others have made as well. So kids, let's all comp learn computers. Come on. Google is planning to release a new Nest Hub this year. The upcoming smart display will feature sleep tracking, powered by the company's Soli radio radar technology. Soli will soon be used to track sleep embedded into the upcoming Nest Hub. 
Google is embracing how smart displays are often placed on bedside tables as alarm clocks and speakers. The original Nest Hub is more likely to be used in sensitive areas since it lacks a camera. Sleep tracking would serve as another incentive to place this Google device on your nightstand. You can already ask Google Assistant, how did I sleep last night? If a compatible service is linked, like uh, one on Fitbit's latest watches late last year. This health focus for the Nest Hub comes amid reports Amazon is also working on a consumer device that uses radar to track sleep apnea. Business Insider reported that the gadget will monitor breathing patterns and can detect subtle movements. This is a smart a smart world we're living in, ladies and gentlemen. I can't I can't take how smart it is. Can't get much smarter. Oh yes, it can. And finally, news from the godly, of the godly, Jeremiah Johnson. You've heard of him. He's from Jeremiah Johnson Ministries. Thursday, he apologized to his followers for, quote, inaccurately prophesying, unquote, that President Trump would win a second term and warned Christians to repent of their idolatry of the populist leader. This according to the Christian Post. I would like to repeat for ina- uh, repent for inaccurately prophesying that he would win. I refuse to blame the saints and say it didn't come to pass because they did not pray enough, nor will I proclaim Donald Trump actually won, so I was right. But now it's been stolen from him, Johnson said in a statement. I believe the first statement seeks to alleviate the prophetic messenger from the responsibility of what he's prophesied, and the second statement is filled with potential pride and unwillingness to humble himself and admit he was wrong, unquote. Johnson also apologized to believers he might have caused to doubt the voice of God because of the false prophecy. I was wrong. I'm deeply sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I specifically want to apologize to any believer in whom I have now caused potential doubt concerning the voice of God and his ability to speak to his people. As a human being, I missed what God was saying. However, rest assured, God himself is not a liar. Unquote. Jeremiah Johnson of the Jeremiah Johnson Ministries. News of the Godly. Asking the musical question, will Rudy Giuliani propose impeachment trial by combat as he takes over the president's defense? We'll only know maybe next week when this program returns on these radio stations at the same time and on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. It'd be just like 
Rudy Giuliani representing all of us. If you'd agree and join with me, then would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk. Pam Halstead to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this show. The playlist of the music heard here. And your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. What could be more tempting? All of that is at harryshearer.com. And me? Thank you for asking. I'm on Twitter. They haven't kicked me off yet. My handle? At the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station, The Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from chilly New Orleans.